Blog Talk Radio. Conversation on the Fighting Network. Don Henderson, your host this evening, and of course we got our normal group on the board. A lot of big stories to talk about tonight, and we normally start off with Roy Cummings in Tampa because so much is happening with the 
Tampa Bay, the Buccaneers, but really, Roger is in Atlanta, where the big story is all about a football player that's supposed to be the number one pick in the draft. Roger, you've got it. Go to it. Well, I'll tell you, it's uh, it's it's a continuing story, and uh, as we were talking about before we started, Don, we were going to have Fred Khalil on uh, about 8.15 tonight, but he's tied up with this story. Jalen Carter, who was expected to be the number one pick or almost at the top, and uh, he uh, is in a lot of trouble. And uh, he, there was an accident that people are probably familiar with. Uh, obviously, a, a young woman uh, was uh, killed in the accident and several people, not two people killed, but uh, several uh, people were also hurt. Well, now there's a, uh, another part of that saga. And this young man was involved in a road rage a race with uh, this other car. Obviously, they're players at the University of Georgia. Now, one of the, the uh, uh, parts of the story that came out just, uh, I guess, a little while ago uh, was that the, I guess, the AJC uh, broke it, that a coach had called the sheriff uh, for that area or the police chief over in the uh, Athens area uh, to have every, all the uh, police get in touch with him. Okay, now, is this a cover-up? Who knows? Okay, there's just a lot more uh, to the story that is going to develop. But the bottom line is uh, Jalen Carter, expected to be the number one pick in the draft, very uh, uh, similar to, uh, you know, last year uh, with Jordan Davis, uh, who went to the Eagles in the first round. Uh, it, uh, the, the, uh, it's going to, obviously, it should affect, his uh, spot in the draft, and who knows it, w- where he will be drafted. Uh, if, also, ESPN said earlier this evening on their 5:30 edition that uh, 1.9 alcohol level, and also the fact the car was was going at 102 miles per hour. 102, yeah, in the race. So those two I'm factors are going to be weighing in very, very heavily. Okay, let's go to Roy. Uh, I'll tell you, Roy. Every time we start around, we have another major story involving some kind of problems. <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, this, is, this is tragic in every way, guys. I mean, um, we've got a teammate of Jalen Carter who's killed in this crash. You've got a recruiting uh, staff member killed in this crash. It, it appears to be you know, a racing incident. Uh, Jalen Carter's career may be over. Certainly it's on pause. I, I have a hard time believing at this point that he doesn't he gets drafted anywhere ahead of the third or fourth or fifth round. I mean, you were talking about a first overall pick potentially. And, I mean, now with what he's facing, um, it's hard to believe that uh, anyone would take much of a chance on him. Um, and there, and not enough will be known, I, I don't think, to be honest, guys, uh, by the time the draft comes around. we got, what, a month plus? And, um, you know, the way that the, the justice system works, uh, it's going to be a while before. I mean, he, he could easily be arraigned and all that, but um, he's going to spend a lot of time in uh, in court. And uh, so this is... Well, we don't really have any more definitive way, information, so uh, we give everybody the headlines as we know them. Uh, but let's go right back to you, Roy, a little bit, because uh, the Buccaneers started to make their move. Uh, Frontiers got, uh, was released yesterday. Uh 
they are so far over the cap. It's it's unbelievable right now as to how they're going to be able to. And I, I really feel sorry for the head coach to a degree because this is almost the same situation he came in with the Jets. He had a team that went to the playoffs in the first year and then just steadily went downhill. And right now, if I read it correctly, uh, the Bucks are $26 million over the cap, and they didn't take advantage of the opportunity they could have gotten with Brady by having him sign a dollar contract after June 1st. Uh, they didn't take advantage of that so far. So your observations on where they stand right now. Yeah, it's a team in transition, guys. There's no doubt about it. They're transitioning out of a uh, out of a Super Bowl mode into a rebuilding mode. Uh, you can, however you want to, you know, uh, fashion it. That's exactly what they're doing here. They are transitioning out of their uh, effort to win a Super Bowl, and um, they're way over the cap. And in order to get to become compliant with the cap, they're going to have to let a lot of people go. And it starts right there with Leonard Fournette. So. Uh, I'm sure others will go. Some players that are free agents may not be re-signed. We're talking about, you know, potential for a Levante David maybe to have to move on. Somebody like that. Um, uh, you know, we'll see. Um, we'll see how it goes. But uh, this is what happens when you start uh, – look, when you go for it for three years in a row, and the Bucks did, and they got their prize. They won a Super Bowl, and they got to the playoffs three years in a row. But uh, just weren't good enough the last two years to – to go deep enough. Um, but at some point, you know, you've got to pay the piper, so to speak. And uh, that's where they're at. They are in a, they're going to be re- rebuilding this year. And, you know, we'll continue to see what happens with the, with the quarterback, but that's still the biggest piece. And uh, look, losing Leonard Fournette, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a blow, but let's not forget, they've got a couple of running backs that they can count on. And I'm sure they'll probably end up possibly drafting another one this year. They'll certainly be in a good position for it. And as uh, the paper said yesterday and again today, uh, you know, you talk about the early returns of how much are over the cap, but the actual number, uh, as I see it, is $56 million, and the cap is $224 million eight, and they're 56 over uh, with not a lot of room and flexibility for their general manager, their head coach, or anybody else. Roger? Well, you know, Roy, you're right on because uh, look at the uh, hit the Rams took this past year after they had gone and they won, okay? And uh, it seems like just about every time that uh, you have a team uh, other than the Patriots for many years, uh, when they go for it and they put all their eggs in one basket, then they pay the price. And not only in football, but in other in other sports too. Baseball is obviously different. But um, what, who, how many players do you think the Bucks would have to uh, uh, unload uh, to to get under the cap or within a, a pretty decent uh, a, a clo- a, as close as they could to the cap? Yeah, I, I think you're more than likely you're looking at half a dozen players, and, and they've got to be significant players. I mean, you could you could give it a you know a dozen guys and and be you know mid level uh, you know players, but most of those guys are young, and and uh, unless you absolutely have decided this quickly that you don't need them anymore, um, you know it's it's more than likely going to be six veterans that uh, have somewhat some kind of name recognition again. Uh, Leonard Fournette is gone. Um, I think uh, Levante David could be one of those guys. Um, the left tackle could be one. Um, you know, you're talking uh, a good chunk right there. And, and it's just, again, it's this is just uh, 
this is the the way teams have to operate in the in the salary cap era. If you go for it the way the Bucks have, and you decide to build through free agency by bringing in, you know, players such as, you know, Brady and Gronkowski and and a few others, Leonard Fournette, for example. Um, you know, these guys have to get paid after you win the Super Bowl at some point in order to stay around, and then you've got a situation where uh, you're going to be over the cap. And um, it's why most teams really do try to build through the draft, that uh, going, the, uh, going the, the free agent route really has its consequences if you don't get the prize. If you get the prize, it's worth it. And, and I think that right now that at one buck place, they're saying, okay, look, we're going we're gonna to struggle here for the next couple of years. We've got to tear this thing apart. But we got a Super Bowl to show for it. You know, did they get the three that they were hoping for, or the two that they were hoping for? No, but they got one, and that's uh, nothing. You can't can't take that one away. Well, before we move over to another topic, uh, I'll tell you when when you look at uh, Aaron Rodgers, who came out of his dark spot wherever that was, and uh, <laughs> sort of teetered on the edge of saying what he was going to do. He was supposed to make an announcement earlier today. Did not do it. At least I didn't see it. If he did. Supposed to have done it at seven o'clock, but I didn't see anything where he did. And the other one is uh, Jackson in, in Baltimore with the Ravens. Uh, you know, they're only a few days away from, you know, making a major decision about uh, what they're going to do there. And uh, so, Roger, I'll let you comment on either one of those first. Well, we talk every uh, week with um, Mike and Simzak and Doug Hamilton about the uh, Jackson situation. I don't know. I thought. From the beginning, I did not expect him to be the quarterback of the Ravens next year, just the way the whole thing's been handled. Uh, but that's one. Uh, the other one is is uh, Rodgers. I mean, who knows? I, I I don't get some of these guys. But, uh, hey, listen, we're, we've been around a while, so uh, we've seen it all. But just when you think you have, something new, something new pops up. Roy, 18 consecutive years uh, in Green Bay for Rodgers. And, uh, you know, I don't really know, to be honest with you, uh, you know, they talk about the Jets, they talk about a couple of teams, but, uh, you know, you you want to make that kind of a move, uh, really a very suspect move going to another club at this stage of the game. What do you think? I'm sorry, say, say, ask, ask that one again, Don. I, I, you broke up a little bit. I, I just think Rodgers uh, making a decision, uh, should he decide to leave Green Bay after 18 years, you know, it's nice to talk about the Jets and what they might have and how good they're going to be. Uh, I don't know. I, I think it's a very tough decision to, to leave Green Bay at this stage of the game. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, I mean, that's where his, his career has been. It's, it's not going to seem right no matter where he goes. If he goes somewhere else, it's always going to seem a little odd. Um, that he's there, uh, and and you know what are you really chasing? I mean, he's probably going to end up at a team that's no better than Green Bay. Um, and again, you look at the division, and look, the the Bears just lost their number one pick. So you know, I I think you know you're in, you're still in what is considered a rather weak division, certainly a winnable division. There's not that much really that I don't think has to be done. Uh, in Green Bay to, to fix it up there. I mean, you, if you draft uh, wisely and add a couple of free agents, what they're usually a, you know, somewhat hesitant to do, um, you know, I think you can turn this thing around in, in a snap. I mean, the key to it all is, indeed, Aaron Rodgers. If he's, uh, you know, if, 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 
if if he's playing at you know at the at the level he's capable of, um, he's going to be he's going to be he's going to be just fine. So you know, I think that uh, I, I think it's a you know I think his best bet is to stay in Green Bay and uh, and do what he can to win there because I think he's got a better chance of winning there than he does most of the places he'll try to go to. And Jackson uh, did a, did a very unusual situation. First of all, he's his own agent. He and his mother. And uh, I, I think uh, we talked to Doug, as Rogers just indicated, Doug Hamilton every week down there in Baltimore covering the Ravens. And uh, he said he thinks that's one of the biggest deterrents to what's happening right now is he doesn't really have any uh, real leadership in terms of an agent or people advising him as to what to do. Roger, your thoughts on that? Well, that, that's exactly uh, the situation. I mean, uh, what more can you say? Uh, it's just it's uh, up in the air. I, I mean, uh, as I said a minute ago, I just I never thought I have not thought that he would be the quarterback of the Ravens uh, this year. I have no idea where he'd go. But Roy, the thing is, I, aren't, I think clubs are now assessing uh, how much they're going to spend on a, uh, a a quality quarterback. By that I mean a top five, whatever, it, you know, very elite quarterback. What do you think about that? Well, I totally agree. I mean, we're at the point where you're all, you're paying almost $50 million now for a quarterback. And at some point, I, you know, I, I think it's got to stop. That's, that's almost a quarter of your salary cap, or it's more than a quarter of the salary cap. Um, going to one player, and, you know, it's just it's kind of gotten a little bit out of hand here um, in terms of the price of these guys. Uh, you know, I don't know what, what the solution is, because um, if they collude, you know, that's gonna, they're gonna, everybody's going to figure that out. Um, you know, certain players obviously worth a certain amount of money, but, um, you know, if, if you've got a guy like Lamar Jackson, I mean, yeah, I mean, geez, it's like, okay, I understand that at the going rate he's worth this amount of money, but have you won a Super Bowl? No. I mean, right. who's out there that has? Uh, Rodgers. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, who's won the Super Bowl? And, and okay, so, you know, I don't think there's that many out there that can really yeah, – well, they can, they can certainly demand that kind of money, but are they worth that kind of money? I would say no. And, I'm look, I'm a guy who says go get everything you can, every penny you can get. You know, you're probably worth it. Um, I just think the going rate has gotten out of control, and I, I don't know how the NFL stops it now. Well, as you indicated, you take twenty-five percent, and uh, how much money's left for the you know for the rest of the team that you need to win, Roger? And you know what? Look, well, that, that's a, and that's an important thing, guys. And let's not forget that Tom Brady, while with uh, uh, certainly while with uh, New England, and actually even with the Buccaneers a little bit, always took less than he was worth. Uh, in order so that the, the, the team could could pay, you know, Correct. the rest of the players and, and build around him the way you have to. Well, right now you've got a couple of quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson's one of them, who's in essence demanding so much, pricing himself out of being with a contending team. And I, at some point, you know, you've got to look at it that way. And that, guys, I think is a big reason why the why the uh, the Ravens are kind of in the in the situation there. Let's look. The, the Ravens have always been kind of a, a defensive-oriented team uh, since back in the day when when they were just you, you know when Ray Lewis was there and, and they just 
that's kind of how they build their teams. They, they win with defense. Um, the quarterback was almost secondary, if not, you know, the, the third option in terms of, you know, importance and priority. Well, now it's a little bit different. And I know that they're very happy that they've got the quarterback. Um, but at the end of the day, they probably look at it and say, okay, okay, if we don't have Lamar Jackson, what does it really mean to us? Uh, what's the difference? Maybe you can go use some kind of a modern-day uh, calculation like war, wins above replacement, and figure it out. But if his war is three and you go out and got a war guy who's two or one, you know, are those two games going to make that much of a difference? If, if the division is tight, um, it might. But if the division isn't tight, and it, right now it's not a strong division, so I think those are, so those are some of the things that – are being discussed inside the Ravens' uh, building. What do you think? Roger? Well, I agree, I, I, and I have uh, been agreeing. The only – I heard one speculation, and I don't know whether it will ever come to pass, but uh, to, to set a, an amount uh, on, in the cap that uh, – say if it's 25% for the quarterback – and if the team goes over that, uh, you would uh, they would still keep the 75% of the cap. But then if they go over the 25% for the quarterback, then they have to pay a penalty. And I heard that, I don't know, once or twice. And I was wondering what you, the two of you, think about that. Well, it's it, – it, it, I have a hard time believing that the NFLPA would ever go for it. Um, and I, and you know what, I, I think there's some owners who won't go for it. There's plenty of owners out there that don't care how much they pay for that particular player. Um, you know, they're ready to, to pay the quarterback everything that they, they can possibly, uh, you know, pay him. Um, I don't think they, they, they're concerned with the price. Um, but I would say the majority of teams are, and, and realistically have to be simply because, uh, if you spend too much on the quarterback, and, and you know what, what, if, what if the quarterback gets hurt, you know now you're out that money. You, and not only you're out the money, but you're probably not going to win anyway. So and the guy you I, have I behind him is not going to be that good. Right. Again and again, you know again, how many? I mean, if we're talking Patrick Mahomes right now, he's worth it. But is anybody else worth that kind of money? I'm not even going to put Aaron Rodgers in that camp because he's on, clearly on the downside of his career. Um, still playing at a high level, I'll give him that. Um, you know, Brady, no. We've seen that, uh, you know, without a strong offensive line, uh, you know, he's, he's uh, obviously compromised uh, in his ability, as, as most quarterbacks are. And I think that's the thing that, you know, again, this is a – you hear football people talk all the time about this is the, the, uh, the, the epitome of the team game. Everything has and, – and they're right, it is. Um, but, boy, oh, boy – you, you, they, everybody puts that quarterback above everybody else, and I get that you have to have that guy. You absolutely have to have that guy. Nine times out of ten, maybe uh, maybe one time out of a hundred, you can win without a, a quality quarterback. I mean, we've seen teams do it, but at the end of the day, you got to have somebody. But that player can just be efficient too, guys. He doesn't have to be a superstar. He can be efficient. Well, well I'm going to run out of time in this segment because uh, uh, I want to get to baseball because uh, – Tim Kirchner was on this, uh, ESPN earlier tonight, and uh, I talked to Roger about this yesterday. I, I've seen uh, two, two uh, full games now, exhibition games, three in all, but two in, in full. And I want to tell you something. 
The new rules, I agree with Ted, with uh, Coach 100%. The new rules as I see them and the games I've seen are 100% better for the game. I don't know whether you've seen any on television. I don't know whether you've been to any of the games. And I want to tell you, that 20-second clock with a runner on first base, 15-second clock, uh, the bags are immaterial. Uh, I want to tell you, the rule changes. We played six-and-a-half innings this afternoon in Baltimore and Toronto. Six-and-a-half innings in a one-one game, a one-nothing game, I should say, in, in uh, an hour and 35, 40 minutes. Unbelievable. Don, I agree well, with you 99%. I wouldn't mind seeing two things. I, I love the fact that the games are, are – they've shaved 20-plus minutes off the time of a game. I like, not love, the pace. It's a, it's a bit frenetic for me right now. And, and I wouldn't mind seeing them maybe add a couple of seconds, go 20 seconds on the clock um, in, instead of the, the 18, whatever it might be. I think it might – 21 runners on first base. Right. Or on, well, the runners are on, on base is 20 seconds. Right. Wouldn't mind seeing them go to 20 without runners and maybe 22 to 24 or something with runners. But I love the pace. I mean, I, I, I like the pace a lot. I just think it's a bit frenetic. And I would probably, and I think this is something that may happen, may happen. To me, if the batter is in the box, I don't care if he's engaged with the pitcher or not. If he's, not, if he's in the box and that clock is counting down, he knows that pitcher's got 18 seconds or 20 seconds or whatever it is to throw the ball, he should be engaged from the moment he steps in. And if he's not engaged, I'm not a big fan of throwing the strikes. I understand the ball if the pitcher doesn't throw in time. I get that. But to me, if the batter is not engaged, I think that's almost a subjective thing there. Um, But, boy, oh, boy, I'll say this, guys. When the batter's not engaged and it's a a tie game in the bottom of the ninth, as it was uh, between, uh, what was it, the Red Sox and Braves one day, Oh, my, yeah. last Saturday, oh, my, the drama, the drama. I loved mm-hmm. it. I thought, I'm right there with you, Don. I'll tell you, I think, I think the uh, – I still don't go for the ghost on second base. I won't go for that. But, I don't uh, either. The other rules that, there are other rules that they've been presented uh, as, so far. Now, the only, my only question is it's only two minutes between innings, but there are also uh, very few commercials. When they go right. to the national games, <laughs> how much time are they going to spend with commercials between innings? They're going to add another 15 minutes to the game because they have so many commercials? I, I don't know the answer to that. I don't well, think they well, – uh, go ahead, Roger. Go I'll, ahead. I'll, I'll, go, I'll no, go, no, go ahead. Go ahead, Roy. I think what's going to happen there, guys, is much like golf. They, they're going to figure out a way to show you commercials while you're watching the game even within those 20 seconds uh, between batters, things like that, um, that's when you're going to see little ads pop up. I think Major League Sports has realized that advertising as the game goes on um, is effective and profitable. And I think the, the longer, you know, I, I think you might see an extra 30 seconds, maybe an extra 30-second spot thrown in there for those national games. But the ratings are always going to determine – uh, you know, what that price is for that spot. And, you know, if they're getting good money for it, well, they'll, they'll, they'll try to fill them up. But uh, at the end of the day, I mean, they've got a budget that they need to reach, and I'm sure it's all been uh, figured out that there are other ways to run those ads. Again, everybody's got that uh, green screen behind home plate now where when you're looking at it from center field, 
you're seeing an ad back there behind the batter and things like that. Now, they're not going to have as much time to absorb those ads because we're going to have 18 seconds between pitches and things. But uh, I think they'll they'll adjust in a way that allows the, the advertising to coincide with the, the pace of the game and uh, keep people from, uh, in essence, uh, turning away from it uh, during uh, between innings. Yeah, Roger, even the two minutes too. between innings. I mean, you you can't believe how quickly they get out on the field and they're ready to go. And the pitcher's on the mound; he's ready to pitch. I mean, it, it's it's really the pace of the game is so much better. Well, let me say two things. Number one, uh, Roy, exactly what you were alluding to, uh, the Braves have been doing. Okay, uh, they'll have like Chip Carey when he was here would say. Uh, Okay, uh, you know, like they continue the play, the picture's on, and there's the pop-up ad from State Farm. And it'll say a message from State Farm. And all it is is a, is a pop-up ad that has vo- and a voice to it, audio, and that's it. Now, on the other side of a, a game, I was at a high school game, sat from the beginning at, uh, from 6.15, it finished at 9.18. Three-hour, seven-inning game. I got to tell you, I had never had any better enjoyable experience in my life. Watching that, sitting with uh, some friends, teachers, and uh, friends of mine, the families, and I got to tell you, it was a pleasure because there was no no really delays. Uh, It was just action. Uh, you know, with uh, some, one team was ahead by seven nothing. The other team came back, and it was fun. It was it was fun. But you know, I was sitting there. It was a nice night, and it just reminded me when you're out in the summertime watching a major league game or a baseball game in the neighborhood. There, I think it's one of the great experiences that you ever want to have. Well, I totally agree with you. I mean, look, it is the national pastime, guys. It still is. And uh, there there will be some people, uh, and I would say, you know, guys of our generation who will kind of, you know, who, who may not like these rules because it because the pace is so, so, so much quicker. Some of those, some people are probably going to say, hey, you know what, I, when I go to a game, I want to I sit back, relax, talk to my friends, you know, and, and just take in the atmosphere and have a nice day at the park. But you know what? They're trying to build the game, you know, the, make it attractive to, to younger kids and, and a younger generation. Because, and 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 I get it. I, I again, I I can see how some people may not like it because maybe the pace takes it away from being the pastime that it's been. But at the end of the day, uh, I think they've made the right call. And I got to be honest, guys. At first, I was really skeptical about some of these things, the bases, you know, even the shift. You know, I'm not. A, I, I don't. I don't. Dislike the shift. I, 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 I kind of Roy, appreciate I'll just tell it. You, I, I, they smart. are in the games that I've seen. I have not seen any shifts at all. Basically, no shifts. And the other thing is, well, you can't. the bases. Uh, you know, the bases. If you're down maybe in the first or two rows or something, you're going to know. You're not, you're not even going to notice those bases. If you're five rows back, they don't look any different than they ever did. <laughs> you know, and are they going to? Kirchin said that he did not think they were going to add a great deal to the running game. He, he, he thought that they uh, put those bases in with the idea there'd be a little more stealing involved. And he did not think that was going to be the case. Now, I'm going to wait and see on that one because I haven't seen anybody try to steal yet. 
Yeah, no, I see what you're coming. I see where you're coming from with that. I, I think that one's still to be determined. Um, you know, look, the, the batter's gonna the, the base run the re- really good base runners are gonna get a couple of extra inches there. You know, it's, uh, let me the, let me interrupt for a second, Roy. Uh, Frank's got a Frank's got a caller on the line that wants to uh, ask a couple of questions to you guys. Go ahead. Hey, is that me on the air? We're here. Yes, sir. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, so I'm a big-time baseball fan. I've been studying the uh, game over the years, and I see how a lot of owners are always doing these ridiculous things to always change the rules. And I I don't know where they get this mindset that fans only want to see, for example, a fast game or a fast offensive game and all that. Most people who like sports – they can appreciate the defensive side, the the, the uh, mind games, the slowdown, and, of course, the offense. It doesn't always have to be one way. So, for example, sometimes I like a game where it's 20 to 10 in baseball. Sometimes I like it one to nothing. Why not keep it as natural as possible? Where do they come up with this mindset that people are just dumb and they just want some fast-paced, high offensive game? Roy? That's a good point. Well, yeah. Um, I think it comes from, well, I know, I know for a fact that, well, I shouldn't know for a fact, but according to Rob Manfred, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, these rules came about as a result of uh, numerous studies and, uh, and polls done of fans throughout all levels of baseball, uh, professional baseball, minor league and major league. And that is what prompted this. It wasn't anything that, some owner came up with. They, I mean, it may have originally been adopted by some owner or thought of by some owner or a group of owners or the commissioner himself. But they did. A, they spent several years uh, tracking. Can, can I just can I changes? Can I just follow up to that? Yeah, sorry to cut you. I didn't know how much time I have. Can I just yes, follow up to that? I, yeah. So thank you. I, I I don't dispute that there are polls and studies of what people like. If you ask, you know, anyone for an opinion on anything, if you wore a suit. And you said, do you like my suit? They're going to give you an opinion. That's true. But try to think like this. Most people who like to play sports or like to, you know, watch it on TV, they're not going to really change their mind too much if there's a big rule change. But the, so they're still going to watch it no matter what. They love the game. The casual people, the ones who are casuals, if you make a big change for them, you're going to get some casuals coming here and there, but you're going to really not let them get sucked in and really love the sport. They're going to say, okay, I'm putting it on for a party, and I'll get together and have some fun and get some chips and all that. But they're not going to really care, especially if it's just mindless, if it's just lots of offense, high, high pass pace. It, no one's really going to care. And the best example I'll give you, one of the most popular sports in America, football, lots of energy, lots of offense, lots of action. I can assure you most people – don't know the details of which players are on the field, what the rules are. They don't even know all the teams. It just becomes a pop, a party sport. So at the end of the day, whether you're going to the casual fans or you're going to the people who actually love the game, you're not really getting people to come in. You're just assuming, not you personally on the, on the host, I mean the people who make the rules, they're just assuming this is what people want. And if, if you don't believe me, let me ask you all the question. Over the years, well, let, let me just interrupt for a second. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying, and I think we're going to find out. I think that's exactly why they implemented all these new rules, to see whether or not, and as Roy indicated, they started off in the minor leagues for years working this thing out to see if it was going to be an improvement or not, especially time of games, because very, very few people, quite honestly, can sit through 
four hours. I mean, you come on at 7 o'clock, 7.30 at night, and you're going to watch a baseball game. You, you, you have a tough time. You've got to be a real baseball fan and not have to get right. up in the morning to watch four hours of baseball. Now, I'm not saying they're right, right but I think we're going to find out right. as this year unfolds, I believe they are right. I believe we're going to see a lot more people watching baseball. If, and, guys, if they're going to uh, make changes. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll say this. Go ahead. Go ahead. Think, of, yeah. think of one of the biggest arguments that comes in October and now November when the playoffs and the World Series are on. One of the biggest arguments is the game starts at 8 o'clock because they want you in prime time, usually 8.15, maybe even 8.20 after you've gone through the pregame show and everything else, first pitch. Well, all of a sudden, if you've got a three-hour game or a three-hour and 20-minute game, now you're looking at 11.30 going on midnight before that game's over. A lot of people in the East Coast, particularly, have to get up the next morning, go to work, that kind of thing. Right. And, right. you know, it, it, it really affects them. Now, if you know for a fact, that by 11 o'clock, your normal bedtime, if that's what it is, uh, or even 10.30, 10.45, that game's going to be over because of the pace, well, you're going to be a lot more invested in it. And I think it's, gonna, I think it's going to you – know, I would just say this to the caller, and I appreciate your opinion. Absolutely. I, 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 you, you are not wrong in any of – I think you're absolutely on the mark in a lot of areas here. But I would say just give it a shot. And I, like I, hey, I just said, uh, and you, you may have heard it, I said there's going to be people out there – probably from our generation, we're all a bunch of older guys uh, who, mm-hmm. who are going to kind of wish that, hey, this was the, the, the slow-moving pastime that we came, became accustomed to or grew up with. But the actual truth is, you know, I grew up in, you know, watching, you know, if you, if you grew up in the 60s watching the game, well, this is what you saw because the games were over in, you know, in two, and a, two hours and 30 minutes, and they were playing at a faster pace just because that's just the way they did it. Nobody stood you know, right. walked you know, around it, the mound it, for, for, you know, for – three minutes trying to decide what to throw next. Right. You know, if you really want people to love the game, any, any sport is boring if you don't know the players and you don't know what's going on. A boxing match, a football match, a WWE match, whatever, it can always be boring if you don't care. One of the ways to make people care is to, for example, one thing the NBA does really well is even though people complain about having too many teams, and I understand the reasons, they play all. they play everybody all the teams play all the teams, and you play them more than once, and you know who's there. In baseball, as much as I love four-game series, three-game series, and I like the idea of leagues staying in leagues other than the interplay in a league play, and then you save it for the World Series, I love all that. But when you play a game every day, and it's a three-game series, and you only play roughly half the league, it gets very repetitive and redundant. And I, I, many times as a Dodgers fan, I have no idea what's going on in the American League. I have no idea who the stars are. The ballparks are kind of new to me. And even they even separate the awards, an MVP for each league. They should really unite the teams and just make them play each other more so people can become more familiar with everyone. And well, I, I think that's just to interrupt you for a second. I think that's exactly yeah. what they did with the change of schedule. What happened last year or in the past, uh, let's say Baltimore was playing the Yankees, they played 19 times during the course of the season. Well, 19 times during the course of the season, so unbalanced as far as uh, divisions were concerned, they had to make a change. And I think they made a change that was good, my own opinion. Roger? I agree, John. Okay. And you know what? The, the caller, you're going to get your wish, um, I think. They're waiting, pri- pri- I think, almost certainly for one more team to join the league. They're probably looking at expansion. And if there is expansion any time here in the next two, three, four, five years, you're going to see there's a very good chance you won't see a National League and American League anymore. You'll just see 
you know, maybe eight divisions. Uh, it'll be broken up in some different way because um, there's a lot of talk about doing just that. Um, it's one of the reasons that they're kind of gone gone to this more um, balanced schedule where teams are not playing again, as Don said, 19 times against each other. Instead, you're getting a chance to see if you're a whole, you know if you're a fan of a team in the city, you're going to be able to see every other team in the league as well at some point. Uh, you know, it may only be once through for a three-game series, but you're going to see everybody. And and one of the reasons they're doing that is because you know there's a whole section of uh, fans who have never seen uh, Shohei Otani. There's a bunch of fans who've never seen Mike Trout. Uh, and it's not just because they're out on the West Coast and, uh, you know, it's too late to watch them on the East Coast. Um, there, there's a lot of – there's just a lot of belief that um, the game is going gonna, is gonna to change and uh, evolve with the times, and those times are that uh, it's going to look a little bit different, a lot different in some cases, than what it used to. Especially with the DH and the National League, which I hate that. I don't know why they did that. That just pushes me away more. Why can't they have a pitcher come to bat? There's lots of great things about a pitcher coming to bat. Well, you can always watch Shohei Otani hit. At the end of the day, fellas, at the end of the day, when you study the marketing of all the sports leagues, I, I've come to the conclusion, I still think baseball, you may not agree with me on this, I still think baseball is the most loved and most popular sport in America. And when you check the money, they still make a ton of money. People are always surprised at how much money they make every year. And everyone, not everyone literally, but lots of people play baseball. What did Vince Scully say? He had a famous story that there was an article, even nuns were playing baseball. It's still something that people love. But b- baseball relies too much on just how popular it is and all the stuff they can sell. But when it comes to marketing, they do a terrible job of marketing the players, marketing the ballparks, marketing the series. There's plenty of times, and I'm a baseball fan, I have no idea what's going on. Even as a Dodgers fan, I couldn't even put my games on TV because they got so expensive for cable companies. They started jacking the prices up because it's so popular. Again, baseball is popular that I was like, I'm not going to pay more money for these baseball games. And, you know, nowadays people get a lot of information on YouTube for entertainment. I have no idea what's going on in the baseball world. The the part I'm making is they, they don't market well, and they do a lot of things where it's like fans just let go of baseball. I've slowly and slowly stopped caring, and when I found out the National League had a DH, I was like, oh, that's just it. How much more am I going to put up with? Well, I, I got to say, I'm with you on that one because, uh, you know, when uh, the Yankees went to on the Yankees and the Mets and when they went to Apple on Friday night, I don't, I, I, I refuse to buy it. I, I don't, I, I'm not, I'm going to miss those games because I'm not buying any more channels. I, I pay enough for the, for the, the games I'm watching. And the same thing with football. When football went to that Thursday night game, it was a, I, I oh, what was that? Prism or whatever? Well, not Prism. I forget what. It was. I, 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 I won't buy it. I absolutely will not. I'm not spending any more money on events that they that we're paying all this money for, and then they want to charge us for another one. I, I'm not paying for it. I think that was no, Apple, too, sure. Don. Huh? Right. Well, I think, yeah, no, that was Prime. Apple, too, Thursday night. No, the NFL yeah, went it Prime. was, yeah. Amazon Prime. Right. The NFL went to uh, NFL got Thursday Amazon night game Prime. went to yeah. Amazon Prime. Well, anyway, guys, no, I, 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 look, I really I see what you guys are saying. Roy, but, uh, hey, have a great week, Roy. Thank you. Right. Your uh, dinner yeah, is no, waiting. Uh, yeah, no, I was going to say thank you for taking my call. And for a future topic, please consider Michael Jordan fans are the worst sports fans. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, thank you very much for your call. You made and some great points. And great yep. points for discussion. You. Uh, well, you can't beat You're that. When you, it's not a matter that we thank have you. to agree. All we do is uh, 
try to kick it around and see what uh, what comes out because it's very very important to give everybody an opportunity to give their opinion. Absolutely. Thank yeah, you very good. much. Appreciate it. Well, guys, thanks okay. for having me as always. Uh, went a little overtime today, but uh, that's okay. We had uh, we had a caller. Man, that's, I like that. We need more of those. I know. <laughs> Great. Yeah. All right. That we, got Tom on the, we got Tom Main on the hook right now. Yeah. Tom? All right, guys. We'll do it again next week. Thanks so Take much. Take care, Roy. Have Thank you, Roy, week. very much. Tom? Is Tom there? Roger, Roger, you and I'll kick it around until until Tom gets on. Yeah. And, uh, Tom hasn't answered his phone yet. I've been trying since about uh, five minutes of seven, uh, five minutes of eight. So he must be calling the game. I just can't get through him. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Uh, this, this is a this is a footnote just because of the fact that I, you know I was over there watching the Baltimore and uh, for most people along the line don't realize maybe that Baltimore trains right here in Sarasota. So. We get a chance to see, uh, you know, so much of them during the regular season, and uh, or during the spring training season, uh, they're here early and they stay right till the very end, and it's it's really a a wonderful opportunity to have a chance to see, uh, uh, you know, exhibition baseball, uh, spring training baseball here in Sarasota. But uh, one thing that they put in the notes today, which I, I really thought was interesting, uh, the Orioles are now uh, prospects according to ESPN. Uh, they are the number one minor league system in baseball uh, right now, and uh, of the they have ten. We'll talk to Doug about this in the final hour, half hour of the program. They have ten players starting with Henderson, which is number one. They have ten players that are in the top ten uh, right now, all in the minor league system that are with the parent club right now. Uh, goes all the way down to uh, to uh, number twenty one. So. Uh, they're building, a, they're building a franchise in the right way. Uh, Barrett has a great opportunity to uh, improve the second half of last year dramatically to get over the 500 plateau and make baseball much more interesting in Baltimore again. And uh, they've, they've done a great job with the farm system and with their minor league operation uh, from a general manager standpoint on down. And I'll tell you, it, it, uh, it's a lot of fun to see some of these young guys that they – have up here playing right now. I've only seen a couple of three games, but uh, we'll see how it goes. And Roger, we talked about that with the Phillies. How long we waited for the Phillies to, you know, develop that minor league system again, and and start bringing players up through the system and becoming a factor. And the Phillies have done the same thing. They sure have. And uh, uh, how are the crowds in Sarasota at the uh, Orioles pre- uh, or exhibition Fish. games? They've been very good. They've been very, very good. Toronto was in today. Uh, now it's a little more difficult for they're in Dunedin, and uh, I mean they have a very good following. But uh, Dunedin is quite a trip coming across 19 and trying to get over to Sarasota. But uh, uh, I would say they probably had uh, somewhere in the area 7,500 to 8,000 today. Well, you know what was interesting, Don, today was there were several tie games. Uh, in, including uh, the Phillies. By the way, the Flyers and uh, what is it, the uh, Rangers uh, tied up 1-1 at the first okay. intermission. And that's why I'm sure Tom is, uh, you know, he may be able to uh, call in now, but he's, he may be calling the game, like Frank said. Uh, but uh, the uh, anyway, yeah, the uh, 
I was just looking at the uh, games. The uh, Phillies and the Twins were 4-4. Uh, I, the, the, uh, let's see. The, uh, there was a 3-3 game. That was the Rays and the Braves. There was a 4-4 game, the Red Sox and the uh, Astros. And uh, now, granted, I know, and oh, here was, here was one. Uh, uh, a late touchdown pass tied the game. The Athletics and the Reds, 14-14. Oh, my so, God. <laughs> a lot of hitting going on in, in well, spring training games. I'll tell you, we didn't see much hitting today. The Orioles were shut out. <laughs> be fun, fun talking to, to Doug later on the, after our 9 o'clock hour. And because uh, they uh, they played terrific defense, it was a one uh, one nothing game uh, in the seventh inning. Uh, but the Orioles didn't have a hit, <laughs> and so uh, the, the Blue Jay pitching was very very good. And in fact, both clubs pitching was very very good. Uh, and I'll tell you, much better than you would anticipate. And, I, and again, I'll go back to what we talked about the last half hour. I think it's because of the pace of the game. Everybody's ready to play. Everybody's ready mm-hmm. to play. And there, were, there were no errors in the game up to till the seventh inning. Uh, you know, so a lot of very good defensive plays, especially in left and, and right center field. Uh, everybody was everybody was into the game, and uh, uh, I'll tell you, it was. Uh, it, they've been fun to watch so far. I I can't emphasize enough how much I like. The fact that they just keep going and going and going, you don't have to sit there for, you know, 15 minutes waiting for somebody to get off the mound, back on the mound, put your gloves on, take your gloves off, all that kind of stuff's out the door. Well, I agree with you. I, that's what I like, too. But uh, just like I said a little earlier, uh, you know, being at that high school game and uh, it was one at the, in the bottom of the seventh inning, uh, it just – it was exciting. I mean, you know, you're there – I had a hot dog. I had a hamburger. <laughs> uh, well, anytime you, know, you have I, scoring, it's going to be exciting, right? You said it was. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and, if and, you score uh, a lot of runs, people aren't going to worry about how long the game goes. <laughs> but uh, day in and day out, uh, I just think that the the new rules are very good. But as you say, if you get a game where you're you know you're scoring ten or twelve, thirteen runs, uh, people love that. And if you're hitting home runs, people love that too. Well, you know, the other thing is that when you're you're in a high school game or a uh, – listen, I used to – I love watching the American Legion games, you know, with Hamilton Post. Right. And, you know, Rick Freeman, uh, just a great manager. And, uh, matter of fact, uh, I heard from Marianne Tarr, his wife, the other day, who, you know, I'll have to have her on some night because she is so uh, knowledgeable about Little League. Uh, you know, covering it for the Times for many years, and uh, the uh, uh, I just uh, would love to uh, hear her assessment about because they are two baseball fans. I think what did I think what I recall years ago when they went on their honeymoon, they went out and visited a lot of baseball parks. So uh, just you know, uh, two great people, but uh, the she just uh, you know talks about baseball and. Uh, uh, it, it, it just it, it's it's a great time of year to uh, be able to go out see a high school game, go to see a Sandlot game, go to see a softball game, you know, with girls. I'll tell you what. Well, you're lucky. I, you're I lucky too, Roger, because you're in a warmer climate. You know, where we grew up, 
as you just talked about Hamilton and the teams that they had over the years, great teams, both American Legion teams and high school teams, junior high school teams. But, you know, you you were playing in April when it was so cold. Yes, and, uh, right. And into, into really the, the 13th, 14th of May before you really got into what you would consider baseball weather. Where you were in Atlanta, where, uh, you know, you, you probably have some 65, 70-degree days right now. It was 75 today. I have uh, some per- personal uh, business and, uh, and the doctor, but it was 75. And, uh, and now I will tell you, I went to a game last night, and I never uh, went in to see it uh, because the, the ballpark, it's at one of the other high schools, the ballpark is so far from the parking lot and you have to go uh, down a hill, it's just not conducive. I mean, you know, to people uh, our age or, uh, or you know, even younger. I mean, it's one thing if you want to, you know, get the kids. I saw the team get off the bus, and they had a long walk to get to that ballpark. Well, they're, you know, they're young people. They're in high school, <laughs> you know. But uh, when you, if you have the bad knees and everything, you just don't want to walk a mile to get to get to the ballpark and then a mile back. So that's a shame. I mean, it's a shame they don't uh, have, uh, you know, a hand, not, not only handicapped for uh, seniors, whereas at the other uh, ballpark, at the home ballpark for West High School, uh, you can park right there. Matter of fact, <laughs> one of a gentleman, and uh, I've gotten to know who's the grandfather of one of the players and uh, the father-in-law of a friend. Um, he, they kept on bugging him to move his car. Well, good thing he did because the foul I'm sorry, ball but I did not hear back. you press at least four digits of your PIN number. Of, of four, I got an operator I, there for something. I don't yeah, know what it was. Well, I don't know what caused that. But anyway, a foul ball came down. And knocked I'm out sorry, the rear but I did not hear you press at least four digits of your pin number. I don't know what that pin number is. I don't. I don't know exactly. I can't understand exactly what she's saying. I don't know whether we have to redial again or whether we're we're. Thank you for using Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye. Yeah, we're we're getting blocked out on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, 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 Frank, uh, we'll have to hang up, and I'll call back uh, in, in yeah, two minutes. Is Frank there? Or we lost Frank, I guess, huh? Well, let's see whether we let's see whether we go off the air here or well, what. Yes, it, uh, Frank, are you there? Okay, you know what? We'll call back in, Don. Okay. Okay. Hey, Rod. Yeah. Yeah. What we? Um, yeah, Don's calling back in too. What happened is we lost you. Yeah. No, the the, the computer shut down. Pat's on the other. I gotta get Pat on the line now too. Okay. Yeah, Don's calling back in. Okay, we're back on the air. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah, here. We are, and, we, we, and we're getting uh, we're getting the uh, um, Pat on the air now. Pat. Hold on, great. Okay. Right, I can't wait to talk to uh, Mr. Williams. 
No, you know, right, you're you're right, Don. Though it it is going to just make it so much uh, so much nicer, you know. Pat, with us? You there, Roger? I'm here. I was just saying about the speed of the uh, game. I'm with you, and I have watched a couple on TV. And uh, the uh, and you know the Braves uh, are you know they're looking pretty good. They're what are they one and two and one I guess now. But uh, you know it's so early. But I'm just amazed. A couple of the Phillies players, uh, at, uh, what Wesley Wilson I think it is that uh, you know. Uh, did you see that? Uh, uh, okay, hold it right there. I, we've, we've got Pat on the line right now. We had a little disconnect there. But we now have Pat on the line. Pat, how are you? Don, listen to those pipes. Those good Philly pipes. <laughs> uh, nurtured that's by a, Scrapple. That's a listening to you growing up and not smoking. <laughs> tasty cakes and uh, peanut butter chews. I mean, that's what. Tempered that beautiful dulcet voice, Don. That a boy. How you doing? Well, Pat, Pat, thank you very much. Let me send a few compliments down your way with your team. I had a great opportunity to see them play uh, against New Orleans the other night, and uh, they were right there. Uh, a couple loose ball uh, turnovers, and uh, but uh, you got a lot of young players, and it seems like they're they're making some progress, Pat. Don, I think that's accurate. Uh, there's a nice nucleus of youngsters. They're all under 25 years of age, and uh, they're improving every night. They uh, uh, they know, uh, you know, the importance of competing, and uh, uh, the season's on the last legs right now, and I don't know quite what the next month will hold, but uh, we're encouraged by what we see. It, it's a, it's a, a much-improved team. Well, let me let get Roger in here first before we go back and have another Another little dissertation. Go ahead, Roger. Well, you know, when you're talking about all of that, you're right. And we got to include hoagies in there. But um, I wanted to talk to you about uh, the, uh, you have so have produced or have written so many books. And um, do you have uh, anything, uh, any that are just coming out or have come out recently? Because I always enjoy your books. Well, the one that just came out not long ago is called Who Coached the Coaches? And uh, I, I over it took about seven years, but I tracked down every coach uh, that I could find, college, pro, and I asked them one question. Who is the key person in you becoming a coach? And, and what did you take from that person? And, and the book is exactly what they told me. Uh, exactly what they told me, you know, no, no comment, no, no, nothing. It's exactly what they shared with me. And that, that's, that's the meat of the book. All these different coaches uh, sharing their, their, their different thoughts about how they became a coach and what, who was the key person and, and uh, how did, how did it come about? So that's, that was the meat of the book. It was fascinating to, to do it. I, I think there, there were a couple of interesting uh, common responses. Uh, one was the key person was my dad. Mm. Uh, he, 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 and, and in many cases, it was my dad was a coach. 
and uh, and I, I wanted to follow in his footsteps. And then the other common thread was uh, my high school coach. Um, my my high school coach was a real hero. Uh, the way he dressed and the way he walked and the way he talked and uh, I I just uh, em- I wanted to, I emulated him and I wanted to be like my high school coach. Uh, I he- I heard a great deal uh, about that. So uh, it was an interesting project. The book is out now. Who coached the coaches? Uh, coaches Choice is the publisher. They're based in California. So that uh, that's that's the most recent one. I'm looking I will do a show that. just on the book. Uh, yeah. I, want get, I want to get back to current events because we're heading into the UK home stretch, uh, getting ready for the playoffs. One one question that, that really has bothered me, and, and you're the best person to talk to about it, is uh, whether it's college and, and uh, whether it's the pros. Uh, I, I, I just can't understand how many players want to dictate where they want to go and who they want to play and how long they want to be there and I mean, it, it just seems to be unnatural for the game that, for instance, the Nets have lost everybody now in, in, in one regard. Uh, I, I just don't understand uh, what, what's happening in pro basketball. Well, Don, it's, it's happening in all the sports, and it's, it's simply called free agency. And uh, you may, you'll recall that for uh, – Oh, I don't know, the better part of 100 years, uh, there was no free agency. Uh, You were locked into a contract forever, and your rights belong to that team forever. Yeah, but these guys are not, they have contracts. They have great contracts, and the contracts have not expired. Well, except, Don, that's happened in just a couple of cases. Uh, I I think... um, Kyrie Irving is the classic example. And, and right. don't ask me to compare uh, uh, the rest of the world with Kyrie Irving. He, he is obviously wired up differently. Uh, he, he seems to make a mess of, of whatever franchise he goes to. You know, Correct. Cleveland, he wanted out there. He goes to Boston, and he's not happy there. He wants out. Uh, then it's going to be Brooklyn, and everything's going to be solved. And it didn't take long, and he's unhappy there. And he now wants to get out, and all, all of a sudden he's in Phoenix. And uh, how, how long is it, or, excuse me, he's in Dallas. And how long is it going to take for that to erupt? Uh, it, it's, it's just, I think he gives the rest of the league a black eye. Now, he's a great talent, and, and uh, people always rave about, how, about his skill level. Uh, but he has, he, has, he has gotten more franchises jumbled up and messed up than you can imagine. And, uh, and it gives the whole sport a black eye. So he, he's the classic example of being unhappy and wanting to force a trade. Or, so uh, I, I, and, then, and then that spread to Durant, you know, and he... he I was just going to say, yeah, he gets to Durant, now he's on his fourth team. And, uh, you know, he went all so summer. That, he was all summer trying to force the the, the Brooklyn Nets to right. trade him or do something, and they finally had to at the end. That, but he's another example. So those are the two, Don, and I don't I don't uh, I don't think I could give you any other examples. Those are the two that have uh, given the uh, the league, and you know you know the commissioner is not happy with all that. You know that's not not what he wants, but. Um, the third one, you know, who's somewhat guilty is, is James Harden. 
but he seems to have settled down a little bit in Philadelphia. I think he, uh, he they're, they've got a good club and they're full. The building's full every night, and he's he's he and Embiid are a nice combination. I I think he seems to have calmed down a little bit. But uh, you you whatever you say about uh, Kyrie, I'm I, I have a loud amen to it. Uh, and Durant, I think, has kind of gotten sucked into it, but uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll see how it all plays out. But they 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 just don't seem to be happy. Uh, or content. Going, going back to the uh, going back to college, uh, Pat. How about the portal? Are you are you uh, in favor of the portal? Do you think uh, uh, the, first of all the uh, money that's available now to the players that are still amateurs, still in school, whether it's football or basketball or whatever, and then the option of the portal on top of that. Your thoughts on that? Well, Don, I think the two of them go together, the NIL and the portal. Uh, I think they're they're linked, and I think it's gotten away from the NCAA. I think it's gotten away from the colleges. Uh, basically, if you're coaching, uh, every college player uh, is day-to-day. I mean, they, they may walk into your office one day after a game and say, Coach, you know I've had enough of this. I'm out of here. <laughs> I mean, it's I, I I understand how it came about. Uh, I can I, I think I can feel for a, a a kid who goes to a school, finds out he's the fifth string quarterback, and and he's going to sit there for four years. And I understand uh, if he can go somewhere else and play right away. I I I, I I'm all for that. But uh, it, it's 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 nuts, uh, you know. The the players are all, every one of them. At least in at least in the pros, Don, you got a contract. In the colleges, it's it's your day to day, you know. Right. And the, and the and the and the coach, you know, if he has a bad game the night before, the kid could very well easily march in and say, Coach, you know, uh, you don't have to trade me, but I'm uh, I'm leaving. Uh, I'm leaving at the end of this year. I just don't like it here. You know, I want to go somewhere else. And and Don, the thing that amazes me, how about the schoolwork part of it? You know, you you've got to transfer all of all of your classes. And, right. And what and what if they don't what if they don't transfer properly? You know, how, how does how does all that work? Uh, so it's there there are a lot of pieces of that whole thing, Don, that are. Uh, uh, well, I think bewildering, confusing. Um, but, but uh, you know, it's it's here to stay. I don't see it going anywhere. Uh, I I do hope the NCAA can get yeah, at least get some parameters with it and, uh, and and get it a little more under control. Roger. Yeah, Pat. Getting back to uh, the NBA, uh, of course. Growing up, I was just a, a huge fan. Loved it. Was at the uh, Warriors and the Sixers games uh, almost, you know, several times a week. But uh, two things. Number one, just with those players you mentioned, then you got Ben Simmons, okay, who decides he doesn't, uh, he's hurt and doesn't even play for a whole year and yet gets, you know, what almost all of his salary. And then, uh, you know, causes a lot of trouble. He, that was another uh, case. But the other night I heard, because gambling is so big now into sports, about that uh, the NBA is the toughest uh, uh, league to bet on because you don't know who's going to play at night. 
you know, because like uh, Joel uh, takes the night off and you don't know about that until like the last minute. How do you think the, the, uh, that is affecting uh, the league as far as credibility goes? Well, listen, I don't know. I'm not a gambling guy, and I don't know I am all not the either. ins and outs of it. None, so of, us, none of us are gambling guys. No, no, none of us Donna, are. All I, can t- all I can tell you is it was totally taboo, never to be talked about. Uh, you, yeah. you were not to get anywhere near Las Vegas. Uh, you weren't to, you know, if, if you were taking trips to Atlantic City, uh, shame on you. I remember that in the playoffs well, years ago when Michael Jordan, uh, after a game one night, uh, you know, was discovered that he had gone to Atlantic City. I remember that very uh, well. That was, I, it was the worst thing. At the worst, that was like a crime, you know, but not today. And uh, it, 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 it's of, of, of great financial uh, ability. It's, 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 it's wild, and and here's the, here's the craziest thing. Uh, before, I mean, you wouldn't dare play a game in Las Vegas. Well, now they have an NFL team, they have an NHL team. Their their uh, their name with with, with the talk of expansion in the NBA, uh, Vegas comes up immediately. And now we're hearing uh, the Oakland A's, you know, flirting openly with with Vegas to move there. And and this was the city for for, for decades. I mean, you couldn't <laughs> even walk into that city, and, or, and you were indicted. Whew. Oh. Well, I, I want to thank you so much for spending some time with us today. What I'll do is in the next couple of days, I'll give you a call, and we'll do another show just on your book. On the books. Yeah, on the coach's book. Anytime, John. Always I'll, I'll give you a call tomorrow or the next Pat, day, and we'll, Pat, we'll, let me, we'll let set me, it up. Let me. I I just wanted to follow up with Pat when uh, the, that was a great point because uh, Ed Hockley, yeah, a number <laughs> of years ago, uh, you know, was an attorney, was a great NFL referee. He told me if he had to go and speak at a convention in Vegas, he had to go in a back door, go through the kitchen and then show up at the um, meeting hall and go right out the other way and get back in his car to get to the airport. And, you know, and, you're exa- and look at it now. You're exactly right. It's, it's done 180 degrees. Yeah, why does it? It's, could very well, in the next 10 years, have, have all four franchises in the four major sports. Go, yeah, go it's figure, such a huh? revenue, you know, it's a revenue spin. I mean, you can't whether it's baseball, basketball, football, I don't care what it is. Uh, look at the money they're bringing in now. So uh, as long as that's happening, it's going to be there. Yeah. Don, t- take care of those God bless, pipes, okay? Okay, okay partner. Guys. Thank you very much. I'll talk to you take in the next care. couple of days. Pat Williams, our guest, what a great take guy. Care. What a great uh, – brought the, uh, the Orlando Magic to Orlando when Orlando was uh, really just a, a budding community. Uh, and built it into a great franchise and uh, a terrific, terrific guy. But now we're going to go to Mike Zimzak down in Baltimore and uh, Baltimore, Washington area. We talked about it earlier tonight. There's so many things happening down there, starting off with uh, Jackson. Is he going to sign or is he not going to sign? But uh, Mike may want to start with something else that uh, is on the edge of his mind. Go ahead, Mike. Well, we can start – 
let me start with this. Uh, Don, Roger, and Frank, uh, great as always to talk to you each and every week. Thank you again for having me. Uh, yeah, we can start with uh, Lamar Jackson, and is he going to sign for the Baltimore Ravens? And the issue is right now nobody quite knows what's going on because Lamar doesn't necessarily talk. He represents himself. It's a very, very tight group around him led by his mother. Um, and there's ju- and when he does communicate, he, he doesn't have a really big social media presence, and he tends to like to send out these cryptic uh, messages that could mean any number of things. So nobody really knows what's going on. Uh, the Ravens reiterated the fact that they want to have him there. Uh, they want to keep him, and that's what they're working to- towards, to really get him signed to a long-term deal by Tuesday, because after Tuesday, they would have to put the franchise tag on them, on him, and that would eat up any existing salary cap money that they have and really put a um, – throw a spanner in the works of their, po- their uh, off-season plans. But they kind of remain far apart. Uh, he looks at the contract that Deshaun Watson got. He said, you know, look, I've got the MVPs. I've got the wins. Uh, and I don't have nearly the amount of baggage that that guy does. Why can't I get a contract like that? Steve Bashotti and the management of the Ravens think that that contract is an outlier, and mm-hmm. they're not going to negotiate with that, and they don't really have the desire to give him uh, that amount of money and at a fully guaranteed rate because they think that that contract was an outlier, not what the market is. So uh, it all depends on how much willingness there is on either one of these sides to see if there's a middle ground to be found. You know, would the Ravens be willing to go a little higher with the uh, the, the payout portion of the salary, and will um, Lamar Jackson be willing to take, uh, you know, some part of that contract as non-guaranteed, or is he going to be willing to accept less money but fully guaranteed? And, you know, where they are willing to work, if they are able to find a way to work, it's going to be uh, – it's going to dictate whether or not this gets done. Roger? Well, that's what uh, I, I've thought all along. I, you know, I, I just don't think he's going to be playing for the Ravens, Mike. And, uh, but I wonder if any other team is going to break the bank to pay him what Watson got. It was a ridiculous thing uh, anyway about the Watson situation. That was a disgrace by the Browns. And it's just it ruined everything. It was, but all it takes – Roger is one team, and right That's now, right. you just mentioned it. You have a team in Las Vegas that got rid of their quarterback, has talked about being willing to give Aaron Rodgers um, money to come in and play quarterback for them. They want to make a splash. Would they be willing to give up the money and the draft compensation to make a trade for him? You've heard um, the New York Jets basically say that they think they are a top-tier quarterback away from being a legitimate contender. Would they be willing to do that? And if you have both of them willing to do that, 
then all of a sudden you have a booting war and all of this gets um, – the numbers go up. Remember, yeah, it was it was a disgrace. It was unsound. It was crazy what the uh, Browns did last year. But there was a bidding war for his services, for Watson's services. They really, really, really wanted to get the player in. And the only way that they could convince Watson to go there – was to do that because, remember, he had said that he was not going to play in Cleveland until they offered him $230 million fully guaranteed. And, you know, that changed the tune. And even before that, you know, Kirk Cousins coming off of this went out, what was it, three years, $80 million to play in Minnesota fully guaranteed. So, uh, you know, we, we said we didn't think that Watson would get a – contract of the size that he got and when we talked about it the three of us were shocked that the first fully guaranteed NFL contract went to a player like Kirk Cousins that's true well, we talked in the first half hour of the show uh, Mike, may I get your observation on this when Aaron Rodgers finally makes his decision let's say that he he, he is considering Vegas or he's considering uh, the Jets which have been talked about you know, are those clubs better than what the what the Packers are right now? Is his chance of getting into the playoffs and deep into the playoffs better than the personnel that he has around him in Green Bay? I, I don't think so. Well, I would say that the Jets probably have some better offensive weapons. Uh, they have some really good receivers. Bryce, uh, Brees Hall looked really good as a running back. Their defense is a little bit better. But I think the situation overall in Green Bay is, is better because when you look at the um, NFC as a whole, you know, yeah, you got the Eagles, yeah, you got the Cowboys, and you got the 49ers potentially, but who else? You know, you know if you're playing in the AFC, at some point in time you're going to have to get by the Bills and Josh Allen. At some point in time you're probably going to have to get by the Bengals and Joe Burrow and then it happened to get by them, guess what's waiting for you? The defending uh, Super Bowl champions and Patrick Mahomes. If he goes to Vegas, he's going to have to play against the Chiefs twice a year. So I just think think if if I'm looking at it, I'm saying, you know, yeah, the personnel may not necessarily be uh, as good as New York. I think they're certainly a better team than Vegas is, but Vegas has Vegas. It has the opportunity to um, sign some players. They believe that they've got um, players, and he would get to link up with uh, Devontae Adams again, who is a guy he really liked working with in Green Bay. Uh, so that might be the attraction there. No, but, no income tax, too. Yeah. But isn't it kind of funny that Aaron Rodgers is doing exactly the Jordan Love what Brett Favre did to Aaron Rodgers at the start of his career? Yeah. Well, Roger, you're up. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely is, Mike. The uh, But you know, today we were talking about it in the NBA. I mean, uh, everything is in turmoil, uh, you know, with uh, contracts. And thank goodness that baseball got the uh, uh, CBA – a sign last year and agreed to, and you have stability. And Mike Don's been saying, and 
uh, Frank, about the uh, speed of the game. It's uh, really uh, improved. So uh, I don't know. I I just uh, I, I I just don't think that he Jackson is going to play uh, uh, for the the uh, Ravens. I may be wrong, and I've always been a real fan of that management group. And Ozzie Newsom, I always thought was one of the best general managers uh, in in the NFL. And I'm I just wonder what he thinks about all this situation, you know, because he's still there. He's just not the GM anymore. Are you? Is it right? Yeah, he he's around the building, but he's not the GM anymore. I think what it comes down to is if he does, if Lamar Jackson leaves, it's going to be a business decision. It's going to be, you know, asset management that we don't feel like we can continue to to compete if we're giving out this contract to this player. And let's remember, like, he's missed a lot of time the last couple of years due to injury. While exciting, while epic, while great, and he's an MVP candidate anytime he steps out onto the field, um, you know, how long can he sustain this? And are am I going to be paying in – you know, at the tail end of this contract for a quarterback who's no longer able to compete at a high level due to injury. Uh, so, but if they, if Jackson does not resign for the uh, Ravens, I can't believe for a second that they would let him go for nothing, right? So the best thing that, the thing that you're most likely to see would be if they're not able to get this done, that and he does not play for them this year, it would be they would franchise him on Tuesday and then they would seek to work out a trade because they want to get some sort of compensation back. I just cannot believe that um, they would let him walk out the door. But I still I disagree, Roger. I still think that the most likely scenario is that he ends up playing for the Ravens this season in some way, shape, or form. Well, do they have an option at quarterback well, they could go with Tyler Huntley. Remember, he was, although probably one of the like worst pro bowlers, he was a pro bowler. He did start games for him last year. He did start games for him the year before. So he's been in the offense for two years. They've given him a shot. They could go that direction. Uh, if they trade uh, for, uh, Lamar Jackson, they're going to get back a haul for him. And that would give them the opportunity to either, A, look to move up in the draft and potentially draft the quarterback, or, B, you know, look around the league and see who they might be able to sign. Mike, let me just ask you this question. As they came down to the end of the season and went to the playoffs, it didn't appear in those games that their backup quarterback was sufficient to really compete at that level. No, I think that um, he's along the lines of a Taylor Heineke. He'll keep help keep you around above water, um, but they also not a lot of help from the receiving core. Not a lot of injuries to the running game. It's a team that's really been beat up up and down the line the uh, line for the last uh, two years. They've just been totally decimated by injury. So it's hard to say how much of their lack of success, and remember, they almost got into the playoffs, um, was due to uh, Huntley's play 
how much of that was due to what was not there to help Huntley play? Roger? Yeah, the uh, well, on an, uh, do we want to talk some soccer? Uh, you know, we're getting into the season. Uh, they have sure the exhibition. There's been some uh, movement. Uh, I know that, uh, you know, the uh, United uh, made a, uh, a move and uh, the uh, a couple of moves, as a matter of fact. And um, are, are we uh, about to see a, a great MLS season, Mike? Well, the season actually started this weekend. Um, okay. And Atlanta United had one of the, the, the better games. They came back um, with uh, two goals in injury time in the second half from Tiago Almada to pick up a win, the winner coming on an absolutely uh, gorgeous free kick where Almada was channeling Lionel Messi at his best with all the pressure on probably the, the last kick of the game, and he, he, he needs to put it on net to win, and he does. And so they, they ran out winners. Uh, the Philadelphia Union uh, went down one nothing in the first half on an own goal and came back and realized that, hey, you know, we're a really, really, really good team, and then proceeded to put four past Columbus to win 4-1. Uh, the local team here, D.C. United, also pulled off a win uh, coming back late to get Wayne Rooney his first win of the season. And uh, last, the expansion team, the uh, St. Louis City SC, uh, was able to get a win in their first game in franchise history. I think they're the first team, franchise team to win their first opening game since uh, 2007, I believe the answer to that question was. was. Uh, and they beat at Austin, F- um, Austin FC, who were at the top of the Western Conference last year. So it was actually a really, really exciting opening week in MLS, and I'm hoping that they can do that. They can keep this up. Uh, one issue is going to be is, is, of course, if you don't have Apple TV Plus, and you don't have, um, or you don't have Apple TV, and you don't have the MLS season to pass, which, and there are a lot of ways to get it for free. Um, it's going to be hard to see games. There's only going to be 34 games across the season on Fox. So it's going to be a limited amount of games uh, to be seen over the uh, terrestrial air. So it's going to uh, be interesting to see how the ratings pan out with this experiment with Apple. Well, I would have said that congratulations to Arthur Blank and uh, Garth uh, Lagerway. Uh, they were voted number one by the MLS executives in uh, the athletic survey. You probably saw that. But that game against San Jose, that was exciting. And uh, the, uh, uh, the, uh, the player that uh, had that uh, exciting goal uh, was the uh, MLS player of the match day. Uh, that was mm-hmm. Diego Almada. And, uh, yeah. But I, I think it's great that Arthur Blank, is, uh, with everything he's been through with the Falcons, uh, looks like uh, they, you know, they got off to a great start in their uh, infancy, and then uh, they went down a little bit. But it uh, looks like they may be on the, the road to recovery, like the United. You know, every year we do this, and every year I say the same thing, that the margins when it comes to an MLS team, especially when you're adding new players, 
is very, very fine. They made some moves over the offseason that they hope will um, benefit the team. And it's a team that's missed the playoffs for the last couple of seasons. And, and it's just been, you know, the success that they had in recruitment early on just hasn't been able to be replicated. Uh, so hopefully they got the right mix this time around. I think they do. Having Brad Guzon coming back from injury, having Miles Robinson coming back from injury will certainly make them a better team overall. And, you know, on the other side, you've got a team like uh, the Philadelphia Union who come back in, and their lineup, they retain uh, 90% of the minutes that were played last year by Philadelphia Union players are still on that team. So it's a very settled squad. They know what they're doing. They're experienced. They're solid campaigners. And, you know, they came within a heartbreak of winning MLS Cup last year. So it's hard to look past them as favorites to come out of the East again this year. Well, we'll be looking at it all season. As you said, it went down to the wire uh, last year when uh, they, they wound up coming up a little bit short. But uh, thank you very much, as always, for this segment, Mike. And we'll uh, get together again next week, and we'll hit a little bit of everything down that Washington, Baltimore, as well as the MLS. All right. Thanks, as always. Talk to you then. Have a great week, Mike. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Doug Hamilton is on the line, and uh, we talk a lot Mm -hmm. of things that are happening in Baltimore, Washington right now, Mm -hmm. from the quarterback right on down. But I want to talk about LIV for a minute because – the PGA is making some major changes, and uh, they're, they're sort of reacting to what's happening with live television. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though they only got two tenths of one percent on their television rating last week, the lowest, right below Animal Crackers or something, was the uh, <laughs> was where mm-hmm. they wound up. But uh, at least they're putting the pressure on the PGA to uh, make some major changes, and 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 that's exactly what they're doing. Uh, they're they're, mm-hmm. they're uh, some no some no cut tournaments, uh, bigger prize money. Uh, a lot of things are going on that uh, that really has been propelled by LIV. Yeah, I mean, I think um, you know the the live tour. Um, you know, the whole concept of watching it, and you know, the lack of sponsors and all those sorts of things. Um, you know, those guys are are doing that for for various reasons and then obviously the reaction from the PGA tour, which, you know, signifies, I guess, trying to make sure that nobody else defects over there or they make their deal sweet enough that they can, you know, still keep the integrity of what that tour was built on. Um, and in my opinion, I think that's, um, you know, the majors and the international competitions, um, you know, at hand. So, you know, it's, there's some cool things I think about, you know, the lift tour, I mean, obviously those guys, a lot of those guys, you know, jumped over there for a better quality of life. And, um, you know, they're doing different things from a team standpoint, from a fan standpoint, the, you know, relaxation of, you know, being able to wear shorts and just all those sorts of things I think are fairly unique to uh, the environment they're trying to create. Um, so, you know, I think certainly my opinion, but um, the PGA and the PGA of America and the tour has long since been a pretty, you know, stodgy environment and, and traditional, if you will, um, you know, to how they face things head on, um, you know, and they were the only game in town, you know, for. And yeah, they're also acquiescing in uh, allowing the, the, the lead players to uh, to play in a number of things, a number of events, which they uh, yeah. pretty much were lock solid that they were not going to do that in the beginning, but they've uh, right. weakened in that position almost 100%. 
Yeah, I mean, we don't know I mean, if that's um, as a result of any kind of legal consultation that they may have received to, you know, kind of dangle a carrot out there for those guys and, and not get themselves into even more, you know, of a litigation battle. Um, so, you know, um, like I said, I mean, you've got the NFL and you've got, you know, the Arena League, you've got Canadian, you've got XFL, you've got USSL, you've got all these different things. I mean, it's, you know, people are people and, and you know, spectators are going to watch what they want to. And, and obviously based on, you know, the ratings, it's still the PGA Tours ball game. So, Roger, you're up. Well, it, it is. Uh, but, uh, Don, we want to talk to uh, Doug about those <laughs> Orioles. And uh, well, how, I was going to get around to that, but I wanted to give you a chance yeah. to jump in here. Well, no, yeah. no. Listen, we got a lot of baseball to discuss here, and yeah. and also yeah, we, we talked about the Ravens, so we'll talk about baseball. Yeah. And Doug played Division One baseball anyway. And uh, yeah, I, I was telling, I I said earlier, Doug, it was uh, funny. <laughs> we were talking about the with Roy about the speed of the. Uh, of the games being uh, mm-hmm. uh, really moved up. And I went to a high school game. Now, granted, mm-hmm. you know, you, you know, people, you were to look for his, this, his son pitching, et cetera, et cetera. But it, mm-hmm. the game started at 615 and ended at 918. And it was yeah. a, uh, a seven inning game. And I, sure. I had more fun and enjoyed it. And I didn't even think about it being three hours. So right. uh, if it's a great game, it doesn't make any difference how long it is. Well, there's, you know, there's, um, I, I think, some variables, you know, involved in, in um, you know, some of the amateur versions versus, you know, professional versions. And I know that we can correspond that in my world of, you know, the PGA Tour and their initiative to speed, you know, play all the way down to the grassroots level to, encourage people to play ready golf and and move along and and all these different rule changes from the out of bounds and dropping and, you know, penalty areas and all these different things is, you know, certainly an encouragement to have people speed it along. And, you know, we need to set kind of a, you know, evaluative time of, of whatever it's three and a half or four hours or whatever it should take to play 18 holes. And now baseball obviously is, you know, getting on board with trying to, you know, these guys step out of the batter's box and they, they redo their batting gloves a couple of times and adjust their helmet and, you know, kind of cup check themselves and all these different things. And by, you know, by the time you're done, you know, you got pickoff moves and all these different, we got, you know, years ago we had the guy coming in to pitch to one left-handed guy and all these different things. Now, obviously at the amateur level, you may run into some performance issues with people not being able to throw strikes or not, you know, people obviously not being able to field their positions properly and errors to extend the game and walks and all these different things. So I think you're kind of talking about the overall goal of speeding the game up, but I think that how you get to those, Specific points are different. Doug, one of the excuse me, one of the things you've been talking about now for really the better half of the second half of last season, as the Orioles mm-hmm. made their move to get over that 500 plateau and really establish themselves and uh, at the ballpark today, and, and I've seen three of their games so far this spring. Uh, mm-hmm. Their their press release I thought was really interesting. For uh, we talked about it in the first half hour of the show, for the first time since Baseball America. Organizational talent rankings began in 1984. The Orioles are ranked as the number one farm system in baseball. And mm-hmm. the Orioles are also ranked as the best farm system in baseball, according to ESPN, as well as the 2023 ML Pipeline. They also have, from Henderson 
to Grayson, to Rodriguez, mm. to Holiday, <clears throat> to Carlson, South Kalser, to uh, yep. Westberg. Kerstad. Yep, Westberg. Is that what it is? Um, that what it is? Yeah. I mean, uh, the Nor- Hall. Norby or yeah, it's, it's Nor- Norby, Ortiz, Ortiz, it's Mayo, Norby it's, I mean, and Mayo. <laughs> they got ten guys on. Yeah. right now that are right yeah. there at the top of the at the top of the heap, all trying to make the team for the uh, 23 season. And uh, yeah. I'll tell you, there's a lot, a lot of enthusiasm down here for this Baltimore yeah. franchise. And I would imagine in your area, and you follow so closely, you got to be really happy about what's going on. Yeah, I can tell you. Let's uh, you unpack a couple of those uh, statements slash questions you had. The first, the first thing is. I, I can appreciate the MLB pipeline and, and Baseball America and some of these, um, you know, different uh, outlets that are rating um, the the four letter network. Um, I don't really pay much attention to. I think they're uh, typically more involved in in basketball and you know if, if they're going to employ people like Screaming A Smith, I'm really not that interested in hearing you know what it is <laughs> they have to say with regards to baseball. So. Um, you know, that being said, there is an awful lot of optimism, uh, I think, in the Baltimore area um, you know, with regard to the Orioles. And I know that a lot of the media outlets are, are calling for a little bit of regression from the Orioles uh, from their 83 win season a year ago. Probably, I think the over-under is 76 but and Doug, a half when do you see the, 10 when do you see 10 players all, all picked yeah. as, uh, as, as, you know, not just prospects, yeah. but, but 10 top players in all of baseball that are coming in? Sure. I think it's, um, you know, obviously the direction they wanted to go in when this uh, this undertaking started. But I think that uh, you have to understand too that, um, you know, there's there's quite a logjam at at many of these positions. And I think, you know, being able to draft wisely, um, you know, and, and pair that with uh, some additional offseason spending, um, I think is critical to to building the right roster uh, that you can uh, not only make the playoffs, you know, and win games, but also compete for you know, championships. And I think that they're doing it the right way. And I think there's going to be this, um, you know, overlay, if you will, of something in the middle between, you know, their free agents that hopefully that they get a chance to sign, uh, whether it's next year, year after, what have you, and and the guys that they're developing, you know, at that minor league level and the competition that they have. Now, here's the real key. The real key is, you know, I've, I've looked at a lot of these uh, preseason games, spring training, grapefruit, whatever that that they're they're running players out there, and and in many of these scenarios, they're giving these younger guys a chance to play, and there's also, you know, a battle for some of these um, invited people that, that aren't necessarily roster guys, Luis Diaz, and and just all these different guys that are competing for for different spots, whether it's DH or first base or, or what have you. Um, the interesting part for me is when they look at their roster, what do they feel like they need to make themselves more competitive? You know, and I think the obvious answer is is a frontline starting pitcher. And I think that if they can package, um, you know, guys like Ramon Urias, uh, Austin Hayes, and, and some of these kind of cast-off pitchers, could they get someone else that's more valuable to them in a starter's capacity? Um, you know, we know that uh, Jackson Holiday is 19 years old, and he's a couple years away. But you've also got Jorge Mateo was a gold glove caliber shortstop. And you've got Gunnar Henderson moving to third base, and you've got – um, you know, Joey Ortiz was in the pipeline not far away. You've got Jordan Westberg in there. You've got Ramon Urias in there. I mean, you've got a logjam in a lot of these middle, you know, infield positions um, you know, that hopefully can translate into using a strength and, and filling a weakness through their starting pitching that I feel like 
they've addressed, um, and I think they have some viable options. A lot of that depends on how Grayson Rodriguez does and whether they, you know, put some innings um, restrictions on him, how their bullpen pitches again, um, and all those sorts of things. But if they could find, you know, a viable number one starter and not have to break the bank to get it, but use some of their strength to get some of that, I think now we're talking about competing. Well, I'll tell you, they're, uh, as I said, the games that I've seen thus far, their pitching has been very good. They're, uh, the problem was they went into seventh inning today without having a base hit. It was uh, they were one yeah. nothing. Toronto was up one nothing, and uh, right. uh, but they defensively, yeah, defensively they they played very very. I'll tell you, I I said in the first half hour of the show, it didn't seem like an exhibition game. I mean, they, everybody right. was ready to play. I think the clock has been a tremendous asset. Everybody's yeah. on the field in the two minutes. Everybody's ready to play. Everybody's on the mound. Uh, I, I well, think that adds to the texture of the game myself. I do, and I think along the way they, they're, they're – you know, you kind of have to see what you have. I mean, you have expectations on guys that were on the team last year, but you also want to, you know, kind of massage the, the you know, the, the intrigue, if you will, of, of some of these guys. And I know that, uh, you know, Jackson Holiday is one that people are, are raving about um, that, that has – you know, looked older than 19 with regard to how he fits into the team and, and his, you know, prowess on the field. You've got um, uh, another guy was Kate Povich, who they, they picked up, I think, from um, the uh, Jorge Lopez trade from, from the Twins, who, who is uh, developing himself. Not a hard thrower, but but knows how to pitch. Left-hander moves the ball in and up and down and, and changes speeds quite a bit. And they're they're trying to probably, you know, uncover a lot of these things to see, hey, you know, what, what do we actually have down here? What's what's actually down there? Um, and a lot of these guys, I mean, they're going to be pretty damn good. I, I personally think Jordan Westbrook should should make the team out of spring training, uh, but I don't know that he will. And there's probably some other people. They're high on Kyle Stowers. Uh, they've talked about signing jerks and Profar. They've, you know, they've got, you know, Ryan McKenna out there and Austin Hayes and some guys. So they're going to have some decisions to make for sure. Um, but like I said, I'm, I still remain hopeful that they'll do the right thing and, and, um, you know, and, and try to go out and get that, you know, bona fide number one starter. Roger. Doug, we were talking about at the top of the show, uh, the, uh, problems that, uh, right now are uh, surfacing at, uh, those national champion dogs from Athens, <laughs> Georgia. Uh, yeah. Jalen well, Carter, and uh, I was just wondering, with your wife being such a uh, Georgia fan, yeah. did she have any uh, comments about uh, this? Because his prob his stock as probably right. the number one draft pick uh, probably is now history. Well, um, I would tell you that you look at you know Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks and Mel Kiper and you know all these draft gurus that set their mock drafts, but then they also go backwards and say, okay, well, these are my top 50 rated people, okay? So that's mm-hmm. independent, if you will, of. I can tell you that, you know, what I'm hearing is as many as four quarterbacks could be drafted in the top seven picks, and so there's probably going to be some movement on draft day. And Chicago holds the key, obviously, as the number one, you know, overall draft pick, which they seem to be pretty set with their franchise quarterback of Justin Fields. If they move mm-hmm. down to three or four, they're still going to get the guy they want because they don't need a quarterback. You know, who right. needs a quarterback? And and some of these – Indianapolis needs a quarterback. Atlanta needs a quarterback. Carolina needs a quarterback. So a lot of these teams, I think, are going to jump, and they're likely to still get their pick. Now, you know, there's still information forthcoming in, in the Jalen Carter scenario, so I think he seems to think he's going to be exonerated when all this, you know, comes to fruition. Could he drop out of – 
you know, the top five? Yeah, maybe. But look, I mean, we, we know what the NFL is, and it's based on talent. And, you know, he, he's, a, he's a number one overall type guy pick that can be a game wrecker, Aaron Donald style, on, on your defensive line. Is that worth something to somebody who, you know, thinks that this was a, you know, a version of mistake that we can get we can get past? Um, mm-hmm. You know, the Will Anderson's another guy they're talking about from Alabama that's that's in that mix of, of top overall pick. And, you know, you've, you've got a bunch. I mean, I don't think anybody thought Sauce Gardner, as good as he was, was going to be a, a rookie all-pro. You know, is there another guy like that that's, that's in the draft? I mean, the word's still out on – I mean, what do we really know about Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, and Anthony Richardson with regard to how they're going to play at the next level? You, you mm-hmm. can measure them. You can watch them throw. You can watch them run. You can do all these things. But is the game going to be fast enough – or, you know, slow enough, rather, for them to be able to perform at the next level? And who's – you talk about Indianapolis and Houston and teams like that, they're going to draft a go in there on day one. Are they going to be ready? You know, they, a lot of those teams don't have bona fide guys that they can, you know, bridge the gap for a year or two. So a lot of questions remain. Um, but in nonetheless, to, to get back to your original point, I think the, the first round and the draft in general will be littered with Georgia Bulldogs uh, on both sides of the football. And I don't think it's out of the question for Stetson Bennett to even get a chance to play in the NFL at this point. On the program tonight, uh, without going into long detail, because we've talked about it so many times, uh, your percentage-wise, just as a guess, 50-50, <laughs> he stays in Baltimore, 75-25, he stays in Baltimore. What do you think? Well, I, I thought it was fairly interesting that, um, you know, Eric DaCosta, and we, we refer to him here in Baltimore's EDC, um, you know, kind of like extra, extra virgin olive oil, EOB or whatever. <laughs> Um, he, uh, you know, he volunteered with Harbaugh to speak at uh, the combine, which I thought was um, an interesting tell. Um, I wasn't exactly sure what was going to be, you know, maybe a nugget or two was going to be dropped. But, um, you know, they still, quote, unquote, remain hopeful that, that they can reach a long-term deal with him. And obviously they're going to, you know, fall back on – I mean, no, this has been pretty tight-lipped. I mean, people are, are speculating from the news papers to, you know, internet to, you know, all these shows on TV. No one knows what's actually going on because there's so many reports about he wanted a fully guaranteed contract. He didn't want a fully guaranteed contract. He wants this. He doesn't want that. No one knows exactly what is happening, you know, behind those closed doors other than it seems Lamar wants to stay in Baltimore and the, and the Ravens want him to be here. You know, the, at the end of the day, it has to be – you know, what he wants, and it has to be friendly for the Ravens to, you know, place him in their salary cap. You know, I personally think as long as this is going on, that there's, I'm going to go, a lot of these people are saying 50-50. I'm going to say 40-60, 40% that he stays, 60% that he goes. And, you know, I think that this is the the week where you find out what you want to know because EDC's at the combine, and you know he's talking to these player personnel people and these GMs and all these people about, hey man, you know, like what what, what would you guys be willing to give us? And I'm telling you, I think Houston is the answer if they're going to trade him. I think that's your best option to get the best op, you know opportunity for the quote unquote windfall of draft picks that they, you know, I I think that. I mean, he's 45 and 16 as a starter, which is invaluable to your team. And obviously, we were 8 and 13 without him. But 
you know, even guys on the NFL Network were saying, well, how in the hell can you give this guy a fully guaranteed contract when he's missed 11 games in the past two seasons? You're talking about hamstringing your team at a clip of $50 million a year for the next five years when who in the hell are you going to put around him to catch the football and block and do all these things? I, I just don't think it's financially responsible to do that. I really don't. You know, as much as I love him here, I do believe that if they trade him to the right team, we get the right draft picks, and we get enough salary cap relief with, you know, with all these different moves, that we could be a better, more competitive football team without him. Roger, yes, yeah, that I makes agree me crazy. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I would uh, say this as far as that uh, draft pick goes. You know, one of the uh, speculations I heard today is that the uh, the the Bears would trade number one to number two, so that and mm-hmm. get you know something for it, yeah. and then uh, sure. then then from number two they would go to number four, so that number yep. four can move up to two and get the quarterback they want, which I think is Stroud, uh, the, uh, yeah. the, you know, which would be, uh, which would make sense. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, but that, you know, that's just one, but that way the bears would get a lot of draft, well, a number of draft oh, picks. Sure. Plus they'd have number four and the, the Carter is the one the bears, the bears want supposedly. Yeah. Well, they have a lot of holes on their roster to fill, and mm-hmm. they certainly that makes that makes you know sense to to move backwards and get that draft capital to to fill some of those positions. Um, well, you look at the you know, uh, we again, talked earlier in the program. You, you look at the Bucks right now, and they're uh, fifty. What size? I can't remember. I had the number in front of me. Yeah, over fifty. 50 around million fifty over. over. They're fifty over the cap right now. Yeah, right. And uh, Baltimore's in the same situation as you pointed out week after week. They don't have any flexibility there. Well, I mean, even at the $45 million franchise tag, they they still have to make roster moves, you know, to cut some people, to restructure some people. And, right. I mean, look, you still, have to sign, you still have to sign your practice squad guys. You still need probably 5 or $6 million to sign your draft picks. And now you have no flexibility to go out and, and replace anybody via free agency. I just, I just don't see it, you know. And, and these idiots that I'm listening to on the radio are talking about, well, let's get Mike Evans and let's get DeAndre Hopkins and let's get Jalen Ramsey. And I'm like, where the hell are you getting the money from? You know, <laughs> you, I mean, I don't, I don't understand why people are, are saying these things that are impossibilities. You can't have. Got a caller right things. there, Frank, our executive producer, just tapped in my ear. <laughs> said our time is up for tonight. Thanks a lot, Doug. Thanks to all our guests. A lot of fun tonight. Roger, yep. talk to you a little bit later. Okay. Have a great one. God bless. Take care, Doug. Frank, you as Thank always, God. we appreciate it so much. You and your family. God bless. Thanks. Ladies and gentlemen, these programs are brought to you each and every night of the week in grateful appreciation to the men and women of the United States Armed Forces, the men and women police and fire services. When you're out there and see somebody in uniform, please let them know that you know they're there. Not everybody in uniform is a bad guy. There's an awful lot of good people out there working. Keep us free. These programs are dedicated to those who lost their lives in the line of duty. Deputy Robert Anthony Carroll, Patrolman Jeffrey Colcat, Patrolman David Curtis, Patrolman Jeffrey Yazwick, Sergeant Thomas Bager, Detective Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Childers, San Diego Officer Mike Henley, Sergeant Tom Wilson, Charlotte County Sheriff's Department, Patrolman Charlie Connor, Tarpon Springs Police Department, Deputy Chief Mike Godwin, Philadelphia Fire Department, Lieutenant Joyce Craig Lewis, Philadelphia Fire Department, Sergeant James O'Connor, Philadelphia Police Department, 
Sergeant Chris Levake, Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department. Patrolman Anafa Christman, Wakeland PD. Lieutenant Joe Zerba, Newcastle County Police. Deputy Josh Meyer, Nassau County Sheriff's Department. Captain Matt Letourneau, Philadelphia Fire Department. Captain Chris Leach, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Artis Hope, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Jerry Fikes, Wilmington Fire Department. Uh, Trooper Joe Bullock, Florida Highway Patrol. Trooper Chelsea Richards, Florida Highway Patrol. Chief Al Hogle, Longwood Key Police Department. Chief Jimmy Ford, Wilmington Fire Department. Uh, Deputy Mike Hargrove, Pine Ellis County Sheriff's Department. Deputy Blaine Lane, Polk County Sheriff's Department. Deputy Chris Meyer, Polk County Sheriff's Department. And Sergeant uh, Christopher Fitzgerald, Philadelphia Sheriff's Department. My brothers and sisters, I know you may be 10-7 at this point in time, and sometime will be 10-10 at the table of the Lord. Until that time, may the rose rise up to meet you. May the winds be always at your back. May the rains fall softly on your fields and the sun shine lightly on your face. Until we meet again, may the good Lord keep you and your family always in the palm of his hands. Good night, God bless, and have a great week.
County dispatch to 1999. County dispatch to 1999. County dispatch to 1999. All units be advised, 1999's responded to his last emergency. May God rest his soul and all the souls of the faithful departed. Bye, Bob. We love you and we miss you.